0: be there in just a moment in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I want to echo uh, the preacher's kindness to us, how delighted we've been to be here. It is just a joy to be back, and I uh, mentioned the uh, first time that I preached here, I was 15, and had uh, just been preaching for a little bit. I started at 13, and, and uh, then <clears throat> when I was 14, uh, my dad was pastoring in Lincoln. He hosted the Fishers of Men's Fellowship. And they call on preachers from the floor, and it was a Wednesday night, all day Thursday, all day Friday. Some of you had attended those. And, and uh, <clears throat> preachers had asked my dad, Are you going to have your son preach? He said, No, I'm not preaching my son. We got all these preachers coming in. And so he called on evangelist Harold Boyd, many of you knew Brother Boyd, to preach. And uh, so Brother Boyd got up and he said, Brother Graham, this is my time. I can do whatever I want. And Dad said, Well, as long as it's scriptural. He said all right he said then i yield my time to your son and he said can you grab your bible and come preach and uh, that really though i'd preach some meetings that really was the springboard to many of our youth meetings as a teenager and i owed a debt to brother boyd for uh, his kindness to me as a young preacher and i had the privilege of having a part in his funeral and uh, sharing that uh, at his funeral how that he had invested in me as a young preacher and uh, how God used that. Brother Boyd, uh, of course, was a friend, and I know he preached here, but I sure appreciated his uh, <clears throat> input in my life. And then many of you have invested, and many of you prayed for us through the years. Man, that, that means more than words can say. And Pastor Miller, it has been a delight. I know we'll be back tonight, and I'll again thank you, but it has been a joy just to fellowship this week, and just, you know, just to sometimes, you know, God's uh, people. And especially preachers, often we get busy and lots going on in our life, and it's nice to have a time just to refresh, uh, re- refresh and relax and just talk a little bit about the good things of God. And just, you know, it's a joy to serve the Lord and just to feel that excitement for the Lord. And church, thank you so much. And and if, uh, you know, if you don't have a church, if you're a visitor today, come back and hear Brother Miller. You won't be disappointed. You'll be blessed. And what a what a testimony. Um, soon be 30 years that he's been your pastor and that that is tremendous longevity uh, often speaks volumes to to and about a church and about the man of god and how God's used him here and i just i, I admire that and uh, you know the lord gave us 33 years at benton and i look back and it you know just seems like it went so quickly but god has done marvelous things and we're just thankful for his goodness God honors faithfulness in church. Let me just encourage you. Keep on keeping on and uh, serve the Lord till he comes again. First Samuel chapter 18. I'm excited to have the children in here today. And I will do my best to do a couple of things. Number one, children to try to keep it interesting. And number two, to try not to make it too long. And uh, <laughs> the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And uh, no, we've got plenty of time and we're going to have a good meal after a while. And so preacher said, if we behave ourselves and sit up. And so I'd recommend all of you adults go ahead now, straighten up. I'm, I'm just kidding. All of you young people, give your attention to the word of God. And I promise you, we'll have something for all of us this morning that I trust will be a blessing and encouragement to your heart. And uh, I'm so grateful. I had the privilege of being a junior church pastor Uh, in the early years of my ministry, serving with my dad and uh, worked with both the children's church and then uh, started the bus ministry there at Tremont. And, uh, you know, we started with two buses, and so uh, I couldn't get anybody to volunteer to be a captain, so I captained both routes in the beginning and would rotate, riding one one Sunday, one the next, had some young people helping us and, of course, bus drivers. And, uh, boy, I tell you, God blessed the bus ministry, and it grew, and and, uh, finally... Other people started taking bus routes, and so the next thing you know, uh, our focus was just more on the teen department, and uh, God certainly blessed that. But I appreciate the children being in here today. God bless you young people for being here. 1 Samuel chapter 18, and let's uh, begin reading in verse number 1. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him, talking about David as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. We'll stop reading there this morning for right now. Jonathan, of course, and David had become dear friends. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, you'll remember David had come on the scene where Goliath was holding Israel at bay, and uh, David was not yet uh, legally uh, at the age of being a soldier, and yet David had already proved himself a warrior by taking care of his father's sheep. He had killed the lion, he had killed the bear, he had protected the flock. His father had sent him to go check on his brother to take uh, some things to them and see how things were going and and of course he had brethren that were fighting in the war but when he got there there wasn't any fighting going on just a lot of uh, verbal conversation as Goliath would come out and he would intimidate them by saying send me a man to fight and of course when David heard it David said is there not a cause I'll go and of course Saul said well you need to take my armor now remember Saul was head and shoulders above all the rest of the men he was a tall man in comparison, and uh, David put on his armor, and it was way too big. He said, this will never work, but I can go with what I've proven. I've got my slingshot. I just need some stones, and I'll take care of him, because uh, the Lord will fight the battle for me, and you know the wonderful account of what happened there, that David killed Goliath, and what a victory that was, and man, you know, Saul was excited that uh, David had killed Goliath, and then, of course, they followed after the Philistines had them on the run, until after it was over, and people began to sing, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands, and, well, he got jealous. And uh, there began a hatred in uh, Saul's heart toward David, a jealousy that crept in. But I want us to look at chapter 18 as Jonathan, and by the way, as you study the Bible, you'll learn that Jonathan undoubtedly was older than David. I don't know how many years older, but he was already at the age of being a warrior before David was, and yet somehow him and David's heart were knit. If you would let me this morning, I would like to use a picture. Sometimes in the Bible, there are in the Old Testament what I like to call maybe illustrations or portraits or pictures that we can build a message on, not of course taking anything away from what actually happened here that Jonathan and David became great friends and became very close friends. But if you'd let me this morning for a few moments, I'd like to look at Jonathan as a picture of the Savior as uh, he loved David. And I want to look at David as a picture of the sinner who gets saved because of the love of Jonathan. And Proverbs 18 and verse 24 said, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother." The best friend I have in all the world. I have a lot of good friends. On planet earth, outside of the Lord, my best friend is my wife. I thank God for the friendship of my wife. I have many other friends that God has given me in life. But the very best friend that I have is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a perfect friend. He never fails. He never forsakes. We talked about him this morning. He's ever faithful. I'm so thankful for The friend we have. The songwriter said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege we have to carry everything to God in prayer. And so as we look at this uh, passage of scripture this morning, notice, if you will, Jonathan's love for David. The Bible said that Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Let me say, first of all, by way of introduction, it was a deep love. He loved him as his own soul. Imagine what he is saying here, that there is such a depth of love that Jonathan had. By the way, Jesus Christ loves you more than anybody that you've ever known. Your husband may love you, your wife may love you, your children may love you, your pastor may love you, your friends may love you, but no one has ever loved you like Jesus loves you. I know a lot about my wife. She knows a lot about me. But did you know Jesus knows everything there is to know about me and yet he still loves me. He loves me not because of what I've done or who I am or because of how good I He loves me because he is such a loving God and it was such a deep love. He loved us so much that he was willing to go to the cross and die for us. It was a deep love. But let me say this, it was a different love. The Bible said that the soul of Jonathan and, uh, and uh, the soul of David was knit together. Uh, The Bible said uh, after Jonathan died, David said uh, that uh, the love uh, that he had for him was wonderful passing the love of women. Now, there have been people who've tried to make something perverse out of that. That's not at all what David was saying. There was nothing untoward about their friendship and their love, but he was saying this was different than a love that he had for his wife. This is different. He said, but I'm telling you, the love that he had for me was something that was amazing because... Our hearts were knit together. You know, in life there's been some people that I've labored with in the ministry and our hearts became knit together. I had the privilege of having one of our sons be my associate pastor for 15 years. And one of the great joys that we had, not only as father and son laboring together, but to have our hearts knit together. I think about another staff member I had. That served with me 11 years and, and uh, while he was there he was a behind the scenes man. He was the principal of our Christian school. He he was not a man that would take the pulpit. He didn't have a, a necessarily a desire to be the preacher when I was out of uh, maybe out preaching somewhere or you know give opportunity for staff to preach, but I'm telling you he was behind the scenes laboring diligently as a staff member and our hearts just knit together for the things of God. My friend I met with yesterday for years Our hearts were knit together in trying to reach, uh, especially the area of the Philippines. God has allowed us more than 20 times to be in the Philippines preaching the gospel and, and, and to helping to plant churches there. And We helped start a Bible college there and many other things that God has allowed us to do. And our hearts knit together. I hope you understand what I'm saying. They're just came a unity of our hearts to want to see God do some great and mighty things for his honor and glory. And David and Jonathan's heart were knit together. But it was not only a different love and a deep love, it was a drawing love. The Bible said they made a covenant. You know, covenant is a serious thing. The Bible talks about the Old Testament being the old covenant, the New Testament being the new covenant. The Bible talks in the book of Malachi that marriage is a covenant. When uh, Governor Huckabee was the governor of our state, he established what was called a covenant uh, marriage license. And you could choose to get that opposed to just a regular marriage license. If you got the covenant marriage license, I thought this was kind of neat. Before a couple could split up, they had to go back to the pastor or the rabbi or whoever married them or at least somebody of his faith and go through counseling. And ex- with the exception of physical abuse and things like that, they had to go and get counseling to see if that marriage couldn't be rescued or solved. And I thought that was a great idea because, you know, marriage is a covenant. And that's why we often say, have you ever heard this said at a wedding something to this effect? It's not to be entered into lightly because we want it to last. Now, I know sometimes things happen and I'm not being critical. I'm just simply saying they made a covenant and they wanted it to be a bond of their love to say, hey listen, Jonathan is saying, David, I want you to know that I mean business. I want you to be my friend and David of course wanted to be his friend. But I'll tell you something else. It was not only different and it was not only deep and it was not only drawing, but it was devoted. Their hearts were knit together firmly in an unbreakable bond. It was a devoted love. Jonathan loved David, and David loved Jonathan. Now, let me say this morning, I love the Lord Jesus Christ because he first loved me. He initiated that love. You know, sometimes we'll say this, and I'm not critical of it. Sometimes it'll be in songs, and I'm not critical of it. We'll say, I found the Lord. But you know, the truth of the matter is, really, he found us because he was looking for us long before we were looking for him. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, before I ever thought about him. We sang a song years ago. In fact, as we hadn't sang in a while, but it says when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Long before I thought about him, he had already thought about me. Thank God for the love of Christ. Hebrews 12 said who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. I think part of the joy that Jesus felt at Calvary while he was going through all of his suffering was that one day people just like you and me would be gathered in a place like this worshiping and loving and honoring Him and telling others the good news of salvation, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. And so we find that uh, Jonathan loved David. But let me say, that love was demonstrated. verse number 4, the Bible said this, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. He stripped himself. He demonstrated his love. Jonathan didn't just say, David, I love you. He said, David, I love you so much, I'm going to give you my robe. I love you so much, I'm going to give you my weapons of warfare. I love you so much, David. I want you to know everything that I have, I'm going to give to you. It was demonstrated. And by the way, Jesus Christ demonstrated his love for us on the cross of Calvary when he, dear friend, was willing to take my sins and my sorrows and made them his very own. He bore the burden of Calvary and suffered and died alone. Jesus took my sin. Jesus took what I deserve. And uh, he allowed himself to suffer for me and for you, dear friend. He stripped himself, as it were, before mankind in order that we might be gloriously saved. That's what Jesus did for us. Well, let's examine for a moment this morning. What did Jonathan actually give to David. Let me say first of all he gave him his robe. Now that robe speaks of position. You see he was the king's son. And when Jonathan gave David his robe it was like he was saying you're part of the family. You're in the family. Everywhere you go people are going to look at you just as if you're a king's son. Andrew, it's Andrew, right? Would you come help me real quick, buddy? You mind be a helper to me today? Well, I met Andrew and Paul back there a while ago, tried to get Paul to share some of his candy with me, but he, he gave some excuse about how it was actually expired. Come on up here, buddy. <laughs> but I noticed it didn't stop him from using it. I'm just saying, it's expired, but thank you for caring about me and making sure I didn't get any bad candy. You're such a good man, Paul. Andrew, I want you to step right out here, buddy, and uh, I'm not going to embarrass you. And get, no, right here, right here. That's good. Let everybody see you. This is Andrew. A- Andrew's going to be... Like David, a picture of a sinner that comes to the Savior. And when David came to Jonathan, and Jonathan and David's heart was knit, the first thing that Jonathan did was he took his robe off. Let me get that out of my pocket before it falls down. I probably haven't even turned it on yet. If I need to, I don't know. But anyway, so. Step right up here, buddy. Put your arms right in that coat there. How's that? Fits perfect, doesn't it? Man, I'm telling you. Can you even see him? (laughs) Jonathan put his robe on David. August 12, 1970. As a 12-year-old boy, I came to an old-fashioned altar in an old-fashioned Baptist camp meeting. Gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And he immediately robed me in his righteousness. You could no longer see Ken Graham for what he was. Oh, you might have seen me, but God looked at me different than he ever had before. You know why? He was seeing me in the robes of his son, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And his righteousness, just like my coat, has enveloped Andrew today. Andrew, can you believe there was a time when I was your size? That's such a faded memory, I don't even know if it's true or not. But I think it was. I've seen pictures. My nickname, how old are you, Andrew? Eight? My nickname, Andrew, was Skinny Kinney. I outgrew that. I didn't like that nickname, so I'm not going to tell you what it is now, but it's not chubby-wubby, but it could be anyway. But when he robed him in his righteousness, you don't see Andrew as you saw him a while ago. You now see him with a much bigger coat that's covering just about everything there. In the fact is, if I wrapped it just a little more, everything of him would disappear. I'm going to take it off him and let you go back to your seat, buddy. Thank you for doing it. Give him a hand for being a helper to me today. <laughs> But can I tell you something? When I got saved by the grace of God, I didn't deserve it, but Jesus Christ robed me in his righteousness dear friend and allowed me to have position and because of what Jesus did for me and what he did for you if you're saved today we are robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ the Bible said beloved listen to this now are we the sons of God not someday will I become the son of God hey if you're saved today you're a child of God you belong to him why? you're robed in the righteousness you still sin and come short of the glory of God and so do I but here's the blessing dear friend I'm not robed in the righteousness of Ken Graham. That's not what's taken me to heaven. But because I realized I was a sinner, recognized He was the Savior, received Him into my heart, dear friend, He robed me in the righteousness of His own dear Son, and I'm accepted in the Beloved. I'm looked upon, and you're looked upon as a child of the King. The robe represents something. It represents acceptance in the King's family. Did you know David could eat at the table of King Saul? Because of Jonathan's robe. He had access to the king, and aren't you glad you and I that are saved through Jesus Christ, we have access to the throne of God? The Bible said we can come boldly. Now listen, it didn't say we could come brazenly. We're not smart alecks in the presence of God. I don't know about you, I get a little nervous when people talk about God, and they'll talk about the big daddy in the sky or the old man upstairs. Let me tell you something, dear friend, that's irreverent. He's a thrice holy God, but I can come boldly. We can cry, Abba, Father. That's a term of endearment. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my my dad, of course, was very dear to me. And I remember as a young child calling him Daddy. And that's a term of endearment. And Dad, I want to tell you something, dear friend. I felt very comfortable except when I was misbehaving in the presence of my, my earthly father. And I'm telling you, because I'm robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, I have access to come to God in prayer. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. He allows you and He allows me to come into His very presence. He gave Him His robe, and that speaks of position. But He gave Him His garments. That speaks of the provision for warfare. He told Him, I'm not only going to give you my robe, but He said to Him, I'm going to give you my garments. He said, I'm going to give you all that pertains to that uh, which I need in my life. And can I tell you something? The Lord gave us provision For warfare, you go over and read Ephesians chapter 6. The Bible said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hear me this morning. Uh, There is a real enemy out there. And uh, dear friend, he's bigger than what we can handle in our own strength. I've heard people talk sometimes about, I ain't afraid of the devil. I'll tell you, I'll take care of old smutty face. You better be careful. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle, let me just say very quickly, is a very invisible battle. We can't always see the enemy. All we can see is working. We can see the results. But we can't always see him. It's an invisible battle. But I'll tell you something else. It's an intense battle. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm telling you, friend, there's battles going on behind the scenes all the time that we don't see. Influences that are happening of, that no doubt are birthed out of uh, Satan's desire to destroy man. But I'll tell you something else. Not only is it an intense and an invisible battle, but it's an interesting battle because we already know who wins. We're on the winning side. I like that song that said, I've read the back of the book and we win. Jesus Christ, dear friend, has given us the victory. Well, how am I going to overcome the devil then? Well, put on the whole armor of God. What did Jesus uh, tell us? What did the Bible tell us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Our victory is not in our strength, our flesh, our ability, but our strength is in Christ alone. He gave him his garments, but then only that, he gave him his sword. Man, you think about the sword. That sword is for protection. And by the way, aren't you glad we have a sword? God has given us His Word, the Bible. What a blessing our sword is. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful to have the Word of God. I'm grateful to be able to own a copy of the Word of God. I've preached in places where people would give anything to have a Bible. And we have access to it freely. One of the things that was a great, great uh, excitement when we were in Russia was that we were able to give out uh, multitudes of Bibles while we were there man, you talk about exciting, in a place where, listen, it had been illegal, it had been forbidden, you were not to have a Bible, and and, uh, man, we passed them out to people, and you talk about grateful, man, it was like, you know, so exciting, and even uh, met up with uh, people who had been saved, with very limited access to the Word of God, getting a copy of the Bible for the first time. Our nephew, Brother Stephen Barr, has started a ministry called make Away Ministry in and uh, primarily uh, right now it's operating in the Philippines. He has a desire to put in other countries to be able to actually print Bibles on the field to help uh, get them more accessible, more available. And man, I'm telling you, there is a great need for the Word of God. Uh, we, uh, we have seen people that have gotten saved. I remember one uh, time we were preaching at a military facility in the Philippines and the commandant, uh, the guy that was in charge, he got saved. And boy, it was exciting, and, and we gave him a Bible. The next year we were there preaching, and of course, they have new recruits, new people there. And uh, that uh, same gentleman was still in charge, and we visited with him. And here's what he said Pastor Graham, I'm so glad that you can come and share the gospel with our soldiers. They're going, many of them, to places where it's more dangerous, like in Mindanao, where some of the fighting's going on and some of the challenge. Some of them perhaps will be killed in battles there. I remember one time we were there that nine of their soldiers were beheaded at one, uh, in one little short uh, episode. And, and uh, you know, he's telling us about the, the burdens of those that were leaving. Here's what he said. They need the gospel, but they need a copy of the Word of God. And he said, if there's any way you could get us Bibles, and, boy, we've been able to see more and more Bibles available and accessible. And, and uh, by the way, in many other countries, there are people that would give anything if they could just access the Word of God. And we have it available every day of our life. We're blessed god has given us a sword somebody says preacher where did i find the answer it's in the word of god you know god never intended for his book to be hidden from us he never wanted it to just be to the preacher where i would tell you what the word of god said oh no he wants every one of his children to take uh, the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and to use it dear friend uh, i believe it was andrew telford that said the word of god will feed you and it does And I'll tell you, it'll feed your soul. It'll fortify you. It'll help you, dear friend, to uh, focus in the right direction. The Word of God will fragrance your life. That's why we need a daily dose of the Word of God. And the Word of God, dear friend, it'll comfort you. It'll cheer you. It will cleanse you. It'll correct you. I'm telling you, this book is amazing. We must spend time in the Word of God. He gave Him His sword. Then notice, most importantly, He gave Him Himself. That is his very person. Look, if you would, in 1 Samuel chapter 20. In 1 Samuel chapter 20. The Bible said this in verse number 30. Then Saul's anger, 1 Samuel 20 and verse 30. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. He said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and under the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul was so angry, he threw a javelin at his own son. And we know he threw a javelin at David. But think about this. What Jonathan was saying, his dad said, Why would you want to be close to him? you not understand that it looks like he's going to be the next king and if he becomes king then Jonathan you're not going to be king And it's like Saul was saying, for David to reign, Jonathan was going to have to die. And Jonathan said, Dad, I want you to know I'm willing to do that if that's what it takes. Now, thank God, our Heavenly Father didn't have the attitude of Saul. But I'm telling you, I believe that in the eternity past, God in Heaven determined that for man to be saved. And by the way, Calvary was not an accident. Calvary was not an afterthought. Calvary was always in the heart and mind of God. Because Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But understand, in order for us to live, Jesus had to die. In order for us to have everlasting life, He had to go to Calvary and pay our sin debt. Be buried and rise again. And can you hear Him say, I'll do it. I'm willing. If that's what it takes to keep them out of hell, that's the price that I will pay. That's what Jesus did for us. I talked about it in Sunday school. The great forgiveness of sins ought to bring rejoicing to our heart. If you're saved today, listen, you ought to be the happiest people on planet earth. Really, we ought to rejoice. Even on our worst day, it's better than the world's best day. We're going to live as long as God lives. We've been robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But let me say this, child of God. If we're saved, we need to share the good news with others. and Tell them what Jesus did for me. I've had people say to me through the years, Brother Graham... I would go out and tell people, but I'm not very good at, and they'll tell me, I'm not very good at soul winning. I'm not very good at witnessing. Can I tell you something? The best thing you can do is just tell them what Jesus did for you. Just tell them what a difference he made in your life. My dad was pastoring his first church down in Granite City, Illinois. He was so burdened for one of his brothers. His brother had started to come to church a little bit, and my dad had witnessed to him, and it seemed to no avail. And one Sunday, my dad got up to preach, and his brother was there. (laughs) And he said, I was trying to preach, but all I could do was cry. He said, I'd try to get the message out, and all I could do was weep. My brother was there, and he was on his way to hell. And he said, I was weeping and trying to preach. And he said, in a little while, my brother came forward and said, I want to get saved. And he got saved by the grace of God. You said, that's an unusual service. I want to tell you something. Sometimes just knowing that you're concerned about their soul, dear friend, can be what it takes to point somebody to Jesus Christ. My uncle Floyd went on to be a faithful servant of the Lord. Man, I'll tell you, I've shared many a story with Uncle Floyd in the latter years of his life, and he shared things with me from their childhood and from my, and my dad being the oldest boy. Some things from uh, the time dad served uh, in the Navy and even before dad was serving the Lord till uh, God had called him to preach. And, and I said all that to say this, all because one sermon a preacher was so broken. He couldn't even get the words out. I just want to see you saved. When's the last time we've been broken over a sinner? Mom and Dad, if your children are lost, you need to get burdened about them. Children, if your parents are lost, you need to get burdened about them. I'm telling you, if your coworker, your friends, your neighbors are lost, well, we must carry a burden towards heaven and pray on their behalf. But not only that, be willing to tell them that Jesus loved them, that He paid the price To give them everlasting life. Now, if you're not saved today, that's where it starts. You come to Christ. You say, Brother Graham, you have no idea what I've done. doesn't matter. When He robes you in the righteousness of His own Son, when God looks at you, He looks at you justified. Now, I don't understand this. There are people that can remind you of your past, your family, your friends, your foe, even your own flesh can remind you of things that you've done. But you know what I love about the Lord? He doesn't bring them up. He said, I'll remove them as far as the east is from the west. He said, dear friend, that that he will forgive you. And oh, what a blessing it is. Uh, That songwriter said, you know, sometimes we're tempted to go back and rehearse things that we've already brought before God. I love the chorus of that song that says, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. He's cast them into the sea of God's forgetfulness. What What a mighty God we serve that would save us, that would forgive us, and dear friend, would give us everlasting life. If you're not saved, that's where it starts. Give your heart to Christ. And if you're saved, let's be about our Father's business, telling people the good news of salvation. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. No one's